This is KMUW Wichita Public Radio. Engage ICT is a community engagement event of KMUW Wichita. The following event took place on August 14th at Roxy's Downtown. Hi everyone, good evening. Welcome to Engage ICT Democracy on Tap. I'm Sarah Jane Crespo. I'd like to welcome you all here this evening for the second in our series on education, our three-part series. Um, if you missed the first one, you can catch it online at engageict.org. Uh, you can also see a lot of uh, our past videos there as well, so check that out. Um, before we get going, I'd like to thank our partners in this event series, um, the Wichita Public Library for providing uh, further reading and resource guides for us every month. They are over here at our info table, um, so if you would like to delve deeper into any of the things that we talk about at Engage ICT. Those are really good resources. So thanks to the Wichita Public Library for that addition. Uh, and then um, a big thank you to Roxy's Downtown for the venue and for the food buffet every month. Um, also, if you are interested in supporting KMUW's Engage ICT project, uh, you can leave a donation in the donation slips at your table. Um, and you can also buy t-shirts from our recent fundraising event, Media Circus, at the front here. Um, the shirts feature original art from Richard Krausen. Um, and lastly, sign up uh, on our sign-in sheet that's going around in order to win a Tanya's gift card at the end of the night. So those are the other things we have going on. Um, now, I will let the panel introduce themselves. We'll just kind of go down the line here, and um, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and about the work that you do. We will begin with Dr. Alicia Thompson, who is the superintendent of USC 259. Welcome, Alicia. To Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is uh, Alicia Thompson, and I am the superintendent of the Wichita Public Schools. Uh, I am entering into my second year in this particular position, and I love every moment of it. I am uh, born and raised here from Wichita, and I uh, actually attended school in the Wichita Public Schools. My mother was a teacher. Uh, my aunt, uncle, my uncle was worked in the district. So I have a lot of history in the Wichita Public Schools, and I counted it an honor and a privilege to be able to serve in this role. Um, I represent um, seven board members, uh, and I also represent fifty thousand, over fifty thousand students, and uh, over se uh, close to seven thousand employees. Um, and I believe that we are on the trajectory for great things to happen. Um, we have worked with our community. We engage with community and business leaders and our internal staff and have just completed a new strategic plan for the district. Uh, we've not had one in many years and it has taken hold. I know you've walked around and you've seen those dream, believe, and achieve shirts all around town. That's us. Uh, we are very, very excited to be able to empower our students and our staff to be able to dream and to believe and achieve and to prepare them to be future ready. So I'm excited to be here and engage with uh, my colleagues on the panel. Thank you. Um, our next panelist is Janice Hardiman with the Katherine Johnson Scholar Sisters. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Okay, my name is Janice Hardiman, and like Alicia, I'm born and raised here, went to public schools, um, 
did leave in the 80s to go to college out in Boston. But I am the director of the proud Katherine Johnson Scholar Sisters STEM Club. It is a STEM club that meets um, two to three times a week. Um, I specialize in the STEM club for black um, K through sixth grade. This will be our third year. Um, we started out with about uh, nine students in 2016, and this year, uh, last year, we had 26. This year, we're looking at 34. Um, it's just been a godsend to teach the kids the importance of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, which they love. Um, had the support of USD 259, Prisca, and I don't, I just met you, so, but I'll get you, get to you too, too. <laughs> but yeah, I'm out there in the community. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely trying to get people, I'm really, we haven't been accepting kids, but trying to get, get the word out there about the importance of this special population um, and why I am doing this to submit some data for, um, for 2020, 20, 2020, well, 2020 and 2016 and 2030 STEM reports about black girls and black children in STEM education. And I love it. Yes, next up we have uh, Dr. Chad Higgins, the superintendent of USD 266. Uh, welcome, thank you for being here, Chad. Yeah, thank you, I'm Chad Higgins, superintendent in Mays, and uh, starting my fourth year in the district. Um, Mays is a, a school district of about 7,500 students. Uh, we are in the northwest part of Wichita, although um, approximately 85% of our students actually have Wichita zip codes. Um, lifelong Kansan, uh, educator, um, all degrees from Kansas, never, never have left and so forth, uh, and love it. Both my kids are recent graduates from Kansas colleges and, and, uh, and soon to be off my payroll. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's been exciting the last couple of years to start feeling like we can, we can grow programs again. And, you know, we have some, some interesting things going on in May as I'm anxious to visit a little bit about. So. Excellent. Our fourth panelist this evening is Prisca Barnes with Storytime Village. Tell us about your project and a little bit about yourself as well. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, again, my name is Prisca Barnes. I'm the president and CEO of Storytime Village. It's a children's literacy nonprofit with a mission to inspire a lifelong love of reading for underserved Kansas children from birth to age eight. Um, I am a lifetime Wichitan, uh, born and raised here. Uh, went to three public schools, Buckner Brooks and Heights and um, went away to college uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, but came back to Wichita and got my master's degree from Wichita State University. So um, proud of uh, this community and proud of um, all that we can do when we work together. So uh, Storytime Village, if you, you know, just listen to the name, uh, it, it takes its name from uh, the African adage, it takes a village to raise a child. And we know that um, by working as a community, we can make it better um, by uh, you know, taking those steps to do things like um, helping kids to read better. And we know that um, if a child can read, then our community uh, becomes better because we're a better educated community um, is a, actually a better paid community. And so we want that for um, all of our, uh, the children that live here in Wichita and in the state of Kansas. We want Kansas to be um, a really great place. And so we are doing our um, small part. We're a small 
small but mighty organization, and we're just trying to do our very best to make sure that we have um, the community that we all want to live in. Thank you. Let's have a, a round of applause to welcome our panel tonight. And we will be discussing the community's role in education. So everything from individuals out in the community, how they can help educate our children, whether or not they have kids, um, businesses, other nonprofits, organizations, how it all kind of works together and ways that we can uh, foster that and grow that. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to get into here now and um, be aware of the question slips on the tables um, and fill those out and pass them um, out. Uh, we'll, we will come around and pick those up periodically. Uh, we love to get questions from the audience that uh, helps our, our conversations um, and we will kind of uh, filter those in as we go along. So do that and we will get started here. Um, and these are for all of you to answer if you if if and when you ever would like to to weigh in so um, on, on each of these so I want to kind of start out with a, a general scope of of the community and how it, it plays into our educational efforts here if uh, you all want to share uh, some ways and Alicia maybe we can start with you just some ways that uh, educational institutions are partnering with the community what you're doing at USD 259 to start with um, what are those larger efforts maybe that we know about and then uh, lesser known ones or smaller ones that have good potential and uh, and then we can kind of go from there and also how you gauge the impact of those programs. That was a lot, but uh, right. <laughs> jump right in. <laughs> okay, well, um, that's a great question. Um, we, we, we have some general things that, you know, our, our community members, whether they have kids with us or whether they don't have uh, children that attend public schools, education, uh, educational uh, facilities. But one of the things that um, community members can do to support us is to engage. Um, we want them to engage in the things that they feel like we need to be able to uh, do to better our city or better our education. And we also look for them to give us things that are going well, the things that they like or what things that they think we need to be thinking about as we move forward in educating the children, which is our future of our city. Um, so people that engage with us uh, on a regular basis, we really appreciate that and we look for more opportunities. We're out in the community a lot participating in activities, whether they're um, neighborhood associations, we're out at um, all of lots of events and we hold lots of events with board members. Uh, we have board of education meetings where people can come and also engage with us there. So that's one way. Other ways that people can get involved with us is to, if you own a business or if you're a business owner, um, allowing your employees to be engaged in their students' education. Um, it's very important that they attend conferences, they enroll their kids on time, um, that they participate in field trips, allowed to leave their jobs to go and volunteer at the school, to be a mentor in schools. Those are ways in which we encourage businesses and other community organizations to become involved in uh, general pieces of school. Um, if you think about lots of different opportunities uh, in the Wichita Public Schools, we have so many opportunities for people to engage with us um, from safety, we, with the police department, from calm care to the greater YMCA where we have Saturday evenings or evening activities when there's 
no place for kids to go, for them to have a place to go, all the way from supporting the whole child from the Kansas Food Bank to foster grandparenting. I mean, so there is a variety of ways. And, and I have a colleague here with me that actually um, facilitates all of those particular opportunities for folks to engage. Um, there's so many to even kind of go through of ways in which um, community members can engage. But the main word is engage because we belong to you. Uh, and I, we, we know that the Wichita community cares about the public school systems and we care about our community. And so not only are we looking for you to engage with us, we want to engage with you in any way that we can as well. That's why we're out and about and participating in many activities. So we will, um, I'm sure we'll go into more of the different programs that you have as, as uh, the evening continues, but um, we'll hear about STEM and we'll hear about literacy in just a moment here. I'm curious about the foster grandparent program. You want to describe that one real quick? It is with Catholic Charities, and what we have is we have grandmothers that are in our buildings, uh, in our elementary buildings, and grandfathers. Uh, we have grandmothers and grandfathers uh, that sign up through the Catholic Charities, and they are in our buildings, and they are working with our kids, and they are being role models for our kids, and, and they're reading to our kids, and they're doing all sorts of things uh, to engage with students, and they make a huge impact. Uh, they, they, they give them that love and assurance to see an elderly grandmother or a grandfather in that building to help students. So it's great. And do they stay with the kid for a, a period of time? They or stay with all the, the kids all day. They're oh, there. They I see. work. They work. They're an employee in the building. Oh, and so they're there and doing whatever they need to do. They eat lunch with them in the cafeteria. They read to them. Um, they pull them out, and if they need some extra little <laughs> talking to, they do that as well. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that they do throughout the day that makes them feel comfortable. They work in the library. Uh, all kinds of things. Wow, very mm -hmm. cool program. Yeah, thank you. Janice, do you want to talk a little bit more about? Yes, um, in getting the community engaged, it's been wonderful with me. Um, I think it's just because it's, I'm a new, the Katherine Johnson's is a new program. And um, I mean, I can, everything Alicia said is, I can just say amen to, right, because we need that. But I've been engaging with the community and needing more small businesses to engage, like, um, teaching the children, because what I'm doing is STEM, in electricity, um, uh, engineering, and having like small businesses come in and teach their skills to the girls. Um, I have to give a shout out to um, Crafts, uh, Electric Crafts. They came in one, uh, for two, one, one Saturday and, came, um, and actually taught the girls how to change a light switch. Um, and just those little things, you know, I'm reaching out to the community, small businesses, um, because engineering is a lot, even changing a tire, teaching the girls those type of skills. And those are things I do on Saturdays. Mon um, Monday and Wednesdays, we're, we're actually doing mathematics and, um, and mathematics and technology. Um, I work with a young man, not, well, he's my age now, but um, William Polite, he is the mathematical genius that teaches the girls, and then I do the coordination, um, and that's when my coordination is engaging the community, and that's just reaching out, and it's been pretty good. Um, I haven't had any rejects, so I thank y'all community for that, um, and that's that's it. I mean, one thing I would like is more, um, I need to find financial assistance for, the, for our group, but that's coming too because I'm new, so it's gonna get there, but it, the community has been wonderful with Katherine Johnson's. Awesome. Chad? 
We've got a, a couple of things that, that uh, fell into place for us this last year, which I think um, uh, have been great opportunities for our students. The first one um, has been in the media quite a bit. That's the project, uh, the partnership we developed with Airbus and uh, the Innovation Campus at WSU, and then a, a company, nonprofit out of Texas called Tango Flight, um, where the Airbus Foundation um, supported us in the flying challenge, and, and we had aerospace engineering students through the year uh, build an airplane, and an RV2, RV12 two-seat airplane, and then in June, uh, they flew it, and uh, FAA certified, and, <laughs> and, uh, and soon I'll get to go up in it, I think, but uh, <laughs> I think it's been on enough test flights now. Um, but uh, but uh, it, really amazing that they trusted us to do that, um, and, and all of the pieces that go, it's not something that we can, you know, it's, it's difficult for us to, to put that kind of investment and uh, financially and, and staffing and so forth. Um, so it took the foundation at Airbus to donate um, $80,000 for the materials and, you know, for us you know, to maintain it or, or have insurance on it, very challenging and difficult. So that's kind of what Tango Flight does. And so it's a number of partnerships. Um, so our liability was limited. We in, had the instructor and the students and the space and, uh, and uh, Airbus engineers every day in our school working with our students and uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, engineers and NWSU engineering students and so forth. So, uh, phenomenal project and, and has been renewed. So, uh, the kids are starting to build plane number two this year, and and, uh, and it'll be renewable. I think the the idea is that every every year after this next one, uh, we sell a plane, use those funds to buy another one, and so um, hopefully that Airbus Foundation can put their money into another school, and and so we we hope we're just the guinea pigs and something that can expand. But um, so far, very successful and and. Uh, as long as I don't crash. Now, is this part <laughs> is this part of the career academy? It is. Yeah. Can you we, describe that as a whole? We. It's really hard to describe. Um, uh, through our last bond issue, you know, we're a growing district, and so we're just trying to stay ahead of, of our enrollment numbers. Um, but one of the initiatives in this last um, bond project was to build a, a career and tech ed center. And uh, so we just opened it in January, and the Career and Tech Center is absolutely phenomenal. We have um, ag classes to graphic arts, to culinary arts, to engineering aerospace, to robotics, to journalism, to health. Um, we have a phenomenal, uh, through a partnership with WSU Tech, um, we have uh, students being CNA certified, and we believe are starting the program this year. So we have graduates in a couple of years who will leave high school with LPN certification. And so really advancing, and then our, our health science program there is um, we've had kids in internships in their third year um, uh, observing, consulting, working with doctors and surgeons um, on their site. Um, so we have kids in their scrubs at school and, and even had a student participate and, and discuss that with our Board of Education one night participate in an autopsy, physically participate. So um, great opportunities for kids. So one other thing I have to talk about, um, we just rolled out right before the summer started uh, through a grant um, through our own foundation, our, our, our alternative high school called Complete High School Maze, which is in its 20th year now and, and a success story in itself, um, partnered with uh, Reflection Ridge Retirement Community in our district. And uh, they had a need and we had a desire to teach kids uh, personal finance, economics, and those kinds of things. So our students opened a general store 
in Reflection Ridge Retirement Community. They have a space, they had to purchase all of the supplies, overhead, marketing, um, finance, and so they had students there three days a week, even through the summer, running a general store, selling uh, everything, you know, just like uh, regular convenience stores. Um, and the residents there love the kids, the kids are interacting, so they're learning the business skills, um, you know, while they're still in school, and, and I think will spur uh, a number of, of uh, future graduate students in, in many cases that, that wouldn't have graduated in a traditional school. So um, we think it's going to be a model for, um, for other schools, other districts to see that um, a, just a different way to partner. So I was also going to ask about the Career Academy if it is, are those, um, those learning times, are they instead of a, are they, are they like during a class time? They're not. Both of our high schools use that space. So uh, we have two high schools, two comprehensive high schools, um, and, uh, and they run on the same block schedule. We run a four by four block, so periods are about 90 minutes long. So they're, they're uh, throughout the district, or at least the high schools. And uh, so we shuttle students over from South High. The Career Academy is attached to Mays High School, but is considered an entirely independent learning facility, learning space, and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's it's sometimes we'll have students who are, you know, full-time students at Mays South High School will spend a significant, if not all, of their day at the Career Academy, um, depending on their courses and, and so forth for the semester. But um, and they're, you know, even when they come in and out of, they're clocking in like they're working and. Uh, learning some additional skills part of that safety as well but um, um, it's 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 a facility you can't describe I mean the culinary arts the kitchen and the and the you know where we can build an airplane in a classroom yeah. um, is and, and we kind of built around that at least in that space we're able to do that and um, you know again when you when you can make those um, can't think of the word I'm, I'm trying to come up with, but when you can invest mm -hmm. in, in the future in kids and, and take risks like that and they pay off, it's, it's very rewarding uh, to see the kids experience the things that, that our kids have got to experience with, with both of those programs. Very, very interesting programs. Priska, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, partnerships with Story, uh, Storytime Village? Well, I just want to say wow to all of the uh, the conversations about community engagement that I've heard so far. Um, as I stated before, Storytime Village is a small but mighty um, organization, and, and the way that we create uh, community engagement is through volunteerism. And so we um, recently um, were awarded a grant through AmeriCorps VISTA to hire three um, AmeriCorps VISTA members. And one of them is a volunteer coordinator, which um, I did my happy dance because that means that um, we can actually engage more of the community and, um, and have more uh, uh, volunteerism to move uh, our mission forward. And so um, one of the things that we were able to do just this summer um, we, um, through the partnership uh, or the, the um, support of uh, the Wichita Community Foundation and their impact literacy uh, uh, initiative, we started a program called LEAP, Literacy, Entrepreneurship, and the Arts Project. And um, through that initiative, um, we purchased an, a used city bus. We've wrapped it. It says leap all over it, um, leap into literacy. We get really excited about that. Um, but 
um, we, this summer, um, we started a series of activities that um, highlight the, the main components. So um, the E in um, LEAP, in entrepreneurship, we hosted a summer camp um, where we taught um, a group of third and fourth graders um, how to become book entrepreneurs. So they became um, uh, authors and illustrators and then they sold their books and uh, they kept all proceeds. So um, we gave them those tools. Then um, th all while we were doing that, we were able to engage um, high school students that were a part of the uh, city's summer youth program um, and then our volunteer coordinator was able to work with them. They helped with the summer camp. Once the camp ended, then we moved into the, um, the piece of, the, uh, of LEAP where we have little free libraries that we've been installing in underserved, and sometimes people don't hear me correctly um, because when I say underserved, I, I've heard someone today say underserved. I'm like, no, I said underserved. Um, uh, communities, uh, we want to make sure that we eliminate book deserts. We want to make sure that everyone has access to books. And so um, we've started to, um, to um, plant little free libraries in um, neighborhoods that need the most. And we had the help of those young people. They were out installing, they were fixing up little free libraries that needed to be fixed that we'd already installed and, um, and then um, getting them prepared uh, because those little free libraries will be the bus stops for our LEAP bus. And when the LEAP bus comes into town, it comes to your neighborhood, then that's when the art part comes into play, when we will activate those neighborhoods with um, uh, everything to get you out your doors and come and celebrate literacy with us in your neighborhood. And so, um, but all of that is not possible without volunteers. Uh, we can't uh, do any of those things without the help of the community. And um, we want to make sure that we have, um, you know, the focus on early literacy and we want to have that family engagement around literacy and we want to provide access to books, but we, are, uh, we aren't able to do that without um, that village, without everyone putting their uh, hands into uh, getting, pulling up their sleeves and, and really getting to work with us to make sure that um, we have what we need to make our community better. So that the way that we look at community engagement is through volunteerism. That's a great segue into my next question, which is how other ways that individuals, whether or not they have kids in the school system, or whether or not, whether or not they have kids at all, um, how they can contribute to the education of our community's children, um, and just some different volunteering options. Do you want to jump in there? I, got I guess we're going down the road. Um, one of the things that has, uh, we have a program called, with, with partnership with United Way, is Read to Succeed. Um, this program allows volunteers to come into our schools and actually listen to kids read. Um, and what that does is it gives the children the opportunity to practice their reading skills and it increases fluency, which then increases the ability for kids, if they're reading fluency, to be able to comprehend. And that is, has been a very strong program in our community um, to help increase the literacy skills of our students. So if anyone is interested in doing that, you can contact either 
uh, Susie Finn, who's here, and we can get you signed up, or you can contact United Way directly, because that is a huge piece that blends right into our strategic plan that aligns with our students being proficient readers by third grade. We also have opportunities uh, for uh, volunteers to come into our schools to be able to uh, participate in activities such as reading um, is fundamental, where the Rotary gives a free book to all of our students on a regular basis of three times a year at each of the schools that they partner with. They've also provided um, dictionaries for all of our all third grade students to participate in. Um, we also have a junior achievement that helps us with um, all of our uh, entrepreneurial issue, uh, programs that we have in our district as well as working with them on attendance and all sorts of things. So uh, opportunities to participate and engage with us is very wide. I think I have three or four pages worth of opportunities for, for uh, folks to engage in with. Um, we also have partnerships with um, these two ladies here on stage. Uh, with our um, Storytime Village. Uh, they engage with us as well, so participating with them also impacts us because they uh, definitely partner with us as well as the initiative here. Us, most of the students that participate in this particular program are our students here in the Wichita Public Schools. Uh, so again, supporting anything in um, this arena is also supporting the Wichita Public Schools. We have a, actually a department that works with our school district for volunteer and opportunities to engage uh, with us. And so um, we are open for new. Uh, we're open for the ones that we already have to be able to do. Because again, as Prisca stated, we can't do this work without you. Uh, these students and these children belong to each and every one of you in this room. The school districts, whether it's Mays or whether it's the Wichita Public Schools, uh, we, we, we are educating your future. Uh, we, we, we can't do it without you. Uh, we don't always want to just be begging for your money and wanting you to pay all these taxes and everything, but we do think that it's important that you give of your time. I think the most valuable thing that you can do for uh, the school district and for young people is to give them your time because there are a lot of students who do not have folks that are investing in them maybe at home but there are other, which a lot of people do have kids, they invest in their kids at home, but there are some that need that extra additional support uh, from a caring community member. So I just would encourage each and every one of you that are in the room uh, to consider investing some time with a young person and engaging in any of the programs, uh, opportunities for engagement that we have within our school districts. Um, I also wanted to ask about the homework hotline. That was a program that I was curious about. If you oh, homework hotline. We have a homework hotline um, in our district that we started uh, this year, and we're really excited about it. It focuses in on all subject matters, but emphasizing on math and science. So if uh, a kid has a problem or a issue with their homework, uh, and the parent can't help, which most of us can't help once they get past a certain age, uh, we can't help. So we actually have a homework hotline where kids can call in and have a live teacher that can help them with their homework. 
Uh, we have had kids, to, parents to call in from Mays. We're going to charge Mays, by the way, uh, from Derby. We've had them from all over. Uh, they've heard about the hotline and seen it online and thought, oh, I guess we could just call the hotline. But it actually is okay because we will help any kid that calls in that needs support with math or science. We also have language arts and any subject matter uh, able to be able to support kids. I, I also want to just give a shout out to Textron. We have an aviation pathway that we, uh, we were the first in the state to open up an aviation pathway. We listened to our community. Community said, hey, we need uh, some workers uh, in our aviation industry in the pipeline. We don't have what we need. And so we worked with a partner with Textron, and we created uh, an, a pathway for kids to be able to actually go to WSU Tech as well to begin to earn a certification um, to be able to do some of the variety of jobs that are available. And so when our kids graduate, they will not only graduate with a high school diploma, they will also graduate with a certification to be able to then have an offer uh, from some of our aviation industries. So we have a lot of pathways as well that we partner with through the health profession, such as uh, they have in Derby, I mean in Mays. And we have so many opportunities for our kids in the vocational arena, um, and those are opportunities that we are call our, we think are critical because we don't just want our kids to be able to, everybody just goes to college. We want them all to go, but if they choose not to, we give them the skills to be able to do what it is that they like and they want to do. So uh, there are so many ways in which partners and uh, community members and businesses uh, engage with public school entities. Up for me, Sarah. I, I do, I agree. Um, some children may not go to college, but the Catherine Johnson Scholar Sisters, my mission is for all of them to go to college. Um, I'm, I'm start, the group is for um, K through sixth graders. And what I would love for the community to do, and anyone here, we, um, last year, no, well not last year, we started with the ACT. But last year the girls actually took the ACT workshop in the fifth grade at WSU. I am stressing to the parents and to the girls to, and even coach, we are stressing the importance of learning how to take that ACT test to even get into college. And we are starting with the elementary population because in our vision, in our, in our eyes, we believe that it should start early because a lot of the, um, I don't know if y'all are aware, a lot of colleges are accepting students already Class of 2021 has already been accepted into some colleges because a lot of those children have already taken the ACT test, they've been prepared, they're ready. But the population that I'm working with, um, they, they're not doing it, so that's why they don't have that home, People, you know, parents at home to do that. So that's, that's what I would love for somebody to do. We've just been approved, I don't know if I told y'all, we've just been approved, um, to utilize the ACT logo with our teaching because we will be doing the Engage, ACT Engage and Academy because I can't do it by it, but I'll talk, that's a whole other thing. But the ACT test is really, it's, um, it's, it's really a hard test if a kid just starts to take it in, in the 11th grade. And I'm not criticizing um, the public school system, but I really believe we have to start earlier teaching our kids mathematics and getting them ready. So uh, if anybody wants to help on that, we meet on Monday and Wednesdays at the <coughs> Urban League on 9th and Grove. 
and we will be doing we they will be logging in at the computer lab um, actually following the um, you know administrators but I would love for you all to come you know somebody to come in and help because as I said we have K through sixth grade and I really I like to keep it K through first uh, K through first second through third fourth through fifth and then the sixth graders are going their own way because this is our first year that they've gotten into middle school so that's what I would, okay sorry I'll keep talking all day long Okay, uh, address a couple of things as far as uh, partnerships, uh, those that want to get involved. One of the things we're getting ready to roll out and have, um, at least on a soft level, is, is our Maze Connect program. Uh, several facets to Maze Connect, but one of those is, uh, to some extent, an exchange program. We've talked for years about internships and shadowing, getting our kids out. Um, and for some businesses, that's difficult, the manpower or insurance or you know, liability and those kinds of things. And so we're going to try to find businesses that will come and engage in our schools. I'm uh, sorry, I used your word, Alicia. But um, uh, we value their engagement as well, whether they're coming to, to provide a lesson or, or share a little bit about their career and their field. Um, but as much as anything, just learn about what we're doing in schools. Maybe they can help assess uh, what, what some of the needs, uh, some of the things that we might need or, or uh, additional ways that they can help as well. So. Uh, we're trying to open our doors. Uh, Alicia and I are both members of the Local Business Education Alliance, uh, which is really a great organization through the Greater Wichita Partnership, uh, where we're working uh, on a monthly basis with local business leaders uh, to find ways to, to partner and grow and, and uh, uh, get folks in our business. And that's one of the things I think uh, we're celebrating is that we used to exist in silos that only schools thought we'd do it ourselves and, and businesses thought uh, they, they didn't also have some responsibility in educating kids, but I think we're starting to tear down, tear down those walls. So that's kind of why we're taking advantage of that uh, through our Connect program. You know, another thing that I think is a highlight of our community is a, is a little coffee shop called Moxie. If you're not familiar with Moxie, um, Moxie Junction is a, um, uh, started by Joanna Kilgore, um, a parent of ours um, who had a student with special needs. And Moxie stands for Mothers of Exceptional Individuals um, because there's... Um, a growing number of students with special needs and and those students are going to need jobs some days they're going to also be an integral part of our our communities our organizations our businesses and so forth um, so we encourage businesses and organizations to also welcome students with special needs and to intern and partner and and uh, and even hire someday um, so if you haven't had a chance to visit moxie i'd encourage that and then finally the last thing i think is is really critical especially uh, with what's going on right now in kansas politics is for our adult community to, to also engage in, in politics um, because um, um, it's a little scary uh, what, what might be happening here in a couple of years um, if things don't go very well in the next election, but um, advocacy is, is critical. You know, too often public educators uh, sit and watch, they don't get involved. Um, those that support public education don't always vote that way or don't always uh, understand really what's going on so that's also part of getting our greater community in our schools to see um, some of the challenges that exist um, again with special needs uh, students and and just overpopulation in our classrooms and those kinds of things so uh, helping us advocate for public school students or or kids everywhere for that matter so uh, those are ways to to, to help engage you looked like you wanted to add something, Alicia. No? 
No, but if you, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I just go thought ahead. you wanted to interject. I, no, I wanted to give um, you that chance. One of the things that we um, that is important for us, even in the Wichita Public Schools as well as Mays, is um, I, I know for sure is we we really we do a lot of volunteering in the community ourselves. It is important for kids to know that, you know, don't always just have your hands out receiving, but it also is important for you to learn how to give back to your community as well. And so we spend a lot of time. We have actually a lot of magnet schools, and we have a lot of our organizations through JROTC, student leadership, a lot of other clubs that do a lot of um, outreach into the community. What we have found is... Uh, one, when, when people see kids also reaching out and they start to engage with kids, that brings us closer together as a unit. Uh, and it also has drawn in other organizations that we've volunteered with to also uh, engage further with us. So again, if there are organizations that you are involved in um, that you feel like a, young, a group of young folks could come and help and engage with you as well so that we can begin to see that we have a more in common than we do not. Uh, we are all human beings and we all want um, Wichita and uh, our community, uh, our greater community to be better. And so I think it's just important to do that. Uh, uh, one of the other cool things that has helped us to do that, we have a local laundry mat that's across the street from one of our schools, uh, Jefferson Elementary School, um, who actually is doing some literacy work with Jefferson. So families actually can come into the laundromat in the evenings and do their laundries, and there is literacy activities that is being done inside of the laundromat. And so we call it the laundromat station. And so uh, it's a pretty cool uh, new initiative that we have. So it's just things like that that you can think of that also encourages literacy and engagement is just, you know, is, is critical. So that's just another way um, that's outside of the box thinking um, that we can um, do to support our kids. Sorry, first. <laughs> It's a perfect segue. <laughs> well, well, both uh, both uh, comments. So, what Dr. Um, Thompson and, and Dr. Higgins just stated. So, you spoke about advocacy, and then you talked about how uh, students helping um, and learning volunteerism and all of that. I think that is key. We, we um, in twenty, I believe, twenty fourteen, uh, received a grant from the Kansas Health Foundation um, to. Uh, try out a program at one of the um, public schools at Spate Elementary um, and we worked with uh, we started this program but then we saw a gap and that gap was the uh, mentoring piece and so we started working with actually a private school the independent school and we um, had about 30 uh, students uh, 30 high school students that we were teaching the value of volunteering, the value of leadership, and, and then advocacy became an, another piece. And we, we wanted to work with the high school level because they are, they're right on the cusp of the change that, um, that we're gonna see in our communities. And so we wanted to empower them and give them the tools necessary for them to, uh, to, to move our city and our state in the right direction. And so um, we created this group of literacy champions. And so they would go and they'd spend time with the students at Spate um, and, and uh, would uh, have uh, reading time with them and activities with them um, and learning time. But then outside of that, they learned um, 
they went, we went and had Literacy Day at the Capitol, and they would go to the Capitol, uh, state Capitol, and they would learn um, what, how change happens on, on the legislative level and, and how their voice uh, could be heard and how they could make a difference and advocate for an issue like literacy and how literacy is, literacy is so important to our communities. And so um, we wanted to engage these young people. And so um, I think one of the ways that we want to continue to move forward in engaging individuals is starting with the, you know, we yes, we engage the little ones, uh, we the zero to eight, um, and their families and their parents um, and, and the communities around them. Um, but then we also want to see um, uh, the older generations, still young people, but older than the than they are our demographic that we're directly impacting. We want them to be able to uh, f be able to feel empowered and be able to make some change happen, and know that when it's time for them, when they're in our shoes, we don't have to convince them that um, literacy is an issue. We don't have to convince them that um, you know it takes a village to raise a child. We don't have to convince them that these are all our children and we either benefit um, by benefit or pay for what they become. We don't have to convince them of those things. They will already know and have those tools and have those skills um, to move forward. So that's one of the ways that we are engaging individuals. Thank you. Um, I'm going to uh, slip in some audience questions here. Uh, the first one, uh, do you have any tips on how to convince people that public education is an investment, not an expense? Anyone can jump in. Uh, tips on how to convince people that public education is an investment, not an expense? Well, I'm a product <laughs> of public education. So I feel like I was invested in. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry, I just jumped on the head. Um, but uh, you know, I think we need to, um, I think one of the issues is we, we look at um, what's going on, and I know that was one of the comments, we look at what's going on in the political arena, um, but sometimes we need to take a step back and look at, we have uh, a lot of children in our communities that just need our support and need our help. And the Wichita school system has been investing in our children for years, and we need to do our part and invest back in um, and, and help and do, and, and do the volunteering, do um, uh, all that we can to make sure that our kids have the resources that they need to be successful. In my opinion, um, education is uh, economic development for the city. So you have all these businesses out here that need employers. And if we don't educate students and we don't invest our finances and not just our, um, our time, but we also have to give a little money because if we don't educate them and if we don't stay up to what the businesses are looking for, we're not innovative, if we're not exposing them to science and technology and engineering and mathematics at the levels in which our community needs, then we all suffer. So if you don't want to invest in education, then we're not investing in the future of our city because our city really needs our students, all of our kids, in, in, I mean, I'm talking about the surrounding area, they need all of our kids in order to be able to keep this city going 
if we need workers to keep our businesses going and to keep the city uh, thriving. So it is critical not only um, for us to think about it in the mo uh, moment of just um, you know our time and volunteering and those things, we do have to dig just a little bit into our pockets to invest back into the city that we love. You know, uh, to some extent, we're responsible for the, um, the, the lack of understanding of the importance of, of investment and so forth. You know, one of my least favorite phrases ever, um, which isn't an old one, but I think it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent, is kids nowadays. Um, every generation criticizes this generation. You know, we hear so much uh, negative about the millennials and so forth. But, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of in a, in a world right now where we choose what we want to believe and then we only listen to uh, whoever um, articulates our, our preconceived beliefs about something and so forth. So we've tried to make a concerted effort to continue to talk about all of the great things our kids are doing because what our kids are accomplishing, what they're exposed to, uh, what they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is significantly more challenging than what we did and significantly better what they're accomplishing, the things that, you know, how, how quickly they're progressing in school relative to, to you know, even in my day and so forth. Um, and so I think we have to sell that um, and we have to show people what's going on. It, obviously, it's valuable if they will come in our schools and see and witness how great almost all of our kids are. Certainly, there's, you know, a few knuckleheads here and there, but there always have been. Um, and I think, unfortunately, they're the ones that make the news, um, the stories that are told at the coffee shops and so forth. Um, but that's not what's going on, not what's going on in schools, not what's going on in our communities and so forth. Um, so I think we're responsible for highlighting, constantly highlighting uh, all of the great things that are going on. So show them off. And an opportunity um, is principle for the day. Uh, so if any of you are interested in coming in and seeing firsthand what's happening in the buildings, you're more than welcome to. Um, that initiative will be, um, uh, we do that sometime later on in the fall, um, and we would love to have you to shadow the principal so that you can see all of the wonderful things that our kids do. Again, he's absolutely correct. You have this many kids that make you look like it's not going well, and this many kids that are being successful and doing really good things. So we welcome you into our schools. Um, are you aware of community partnerships that teach kids skills uh, that they may not learn in schools? This may be in addition to what we've, we've talked about so far, um, particularly spy, uh, finances and different uh, cultural learning. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have many programs that do that. We partner with a group called uh, Rise Up for Youth um, that works with students and does mentoring and um, helps with dropout rates, um, teaching them those soft skills per se. Um, we also have some mentoring groups with Real Men, Real Heroes, who also uh, work with young uh, boys to help them to be able to um, um, get those soft skills and those gentlemanly things that we want our, our young men to, to have. Um, we also have uh, some larger groups, which is the Pando Initiative also, that helps our kids with soft skills. She's raising her hand, she knows about that. And they spend a, a good much of time mentoring and working with uh, young people and helping them to get those soft skills about being on time to school um, and all of the things that we also know is good for being a good employee at the end of the day. So there are several of those that we do have also that works on that whole child. Okay. 
you know, I'm not aware of any other uh, programs outside of schools and so forth. I can tell you one of the challenges has been through this, uh, through the era of No Child Left Behind and, and, ha and how much attention was placed on testing and so forth. Accountability uh, is, is, the, is the buzzword we're, uh, we're, we're used to, but, um, and so I think even, even uh, public schools, we got away from um, a lot of those things because we were so focused on, on uh, you know, not being highlighted in a negative way in the, in the paper and, and so forth because of state assessments. And so now that we're, we're hopefully past that idea that um, an assessment is, is the only way to measure a student or a school and so forth, um, schools themselves are really starting to put a lot of, of work into it. If you followed the work uh, of our Commissioner of Education, uh, Dr. Watson, uh, study across the state of Kansas a few years ago, and business leaders, community leaders, and so forth, um, overwhelmingly supported the, the uh, uh, highlight of uh, soft skills, uh, professional skills, civic engagement, those kinds of things. And so uh, we're bought in. We believed it. Um, the challenge is it's difficult to measure. It's difficult to assess. It's difficult to, to prove um, until those kids can, can get out of our schools and into the businesses, into organizations, into uh, post-secondary world and so forth. So uh, we're starting to do some of that work ourselves, um, but it's, it's just not as easy to see as as an ACT score. Yeah, and, and in the school systems, we actually have a comprehensive plans on social and emotional uh, skills, those soft skills. Um, we, we have um, programs um, that, we, that we have 20 minutes every day where uh, our elementary students are being exposed to those soft skills. So what the teacher uh, does is teaches those soft skills to all the way, uh, we have it from our kindergarten all the way through our middle schools uh, that use a specific program um, 20 minutes every day for those soft skills because what we heard also in this community when we did our listening tour in Wichita is that it's great to have kids that know how to read and write and do all those cool you know things that we want them to be able to do but what our employers tell us is if we need kids that know how to get to work on time we need kids that know how to work together in groups we need to know kids that can problem solve and think themselves out of a wet paper bag uh, those are the things that we're looking for because we can teach them the other things. If you could just give us kids that can do those things, uh, that would be helpful. Hence why we've now gone to spending an, a good little chunk of time during every single day working on those things so that not only will we produce kids that can read and write and do mathematics and technology and engineering, but they also know how to be a good employer and to be a good citizen and, and, um, and be able to give back in the community as well. Something else too, partnership and personal finance. This summer our foundation received a $20,000 grant from uh, Capital Federal to develop a district-wide K-12 personal finance uh, program. So we'll spend the year uh, either building or purchasing or, or some combination of the two um, so we can implement that in, in future years. And we have pieces and parts, but it doesn't hit all of our students yet, but that's our objective. There are just, seems like, countless different programs and ways for this uh, puzzle to kind of fit together or different pieces. Um, but what are the biggest challenges to collaborative education efforts that you guys are discovering? I mean, just, um, I, I feel like, um, you know, because people, you know, are, have not been into the schools in a while, um, just the lack of uh, knowledge or information about um, what we do with kids in the school. Um, you know, we, we, we um, there are so many good things that are happening in um, our schools that are not always told. And I think um, some of the challenges is that people are fearful 
uh, to be able to come into the schools or if they come in and they're not sure they know what to do to engage um, in the schools. And so um, that is why you know, we, we actually created a strategic partner um, um, area. We refocused some, um, some staff to specifically work on that. And what we are finding is once people begin to engage with students, especially when they come in and meet with them on a weekly basis with the Read to Succeed program, what we're finding is that now people are actually coming to the kids' programs on their own. Um, they're buying Christmas gifts for their kids on their own because they now feel connection to what's happening in our school district. So I think some of the challenges is, is just the unknown um, from the community members about what is happening. Or am I wasting my time investing in, um, in, 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 you know, in the school system? But what I can tell you is one adult makes a true difference in the life of a child. And so uh, there's nothing to fear, there's nothing, or they say, you know, well, what do we have to do? There's, we got people right there to help you. When you walk in the door, all you gotta do is say, I'm here to help and volunteer. We'll come a running uh, to be able to offer those opportunities. So I think some of the challenges is, it's just an opportunity for people to get to, to know the school systems and to not be fearful of what you think is happening in the schools because what you think sometimes is not what's really happening in the schools. It's just what the media, I guess, has kind of told you is happening, but that's not the case. That's a very small, minute group of students and the rest of them are waiting and eager for someone to come in and work with them. Um, well, chime in. <laughs> yes, um, with the collaboration, Wichita State, KU, um, we, because this is a female STEM group, um, we've had a lot of um, different organizations reach out to us, like the Society of Women in Engineering, um, the National Black, the National, uh, National Black Society of Black, it, hold it, NBSA or something like that. All the different technology organizations have reached out, um, and they have, they've reached out, and, and I have, you know, definitely have taken taken their um, their activities in, but I believe that the parents aren't aware of some of the things um, that that's out there for or for their child to participate in, especially when it comes. To, okay, sorry. Especially when it comes to STEMs, um, you know, um, yeah, it's just a lot of different organizations out there. The women, the women, the uh, women in, in women in construction. That is another organization um, that has reached out to us. Um, we do a lot with them. K, as I said, KU, KU Engineering, they have mathematics, they're science. Every year they bring us up there to teach, to show the girls the different departments um, in, of that university. Wichita State, their engagement, Wichita State's engagement um, department, love them, and their engineering. They have those Saturday groups that, um, that they've been wanting more of the community to get involved in. And since the last three, this will be our third year, there's been more of the community kids going to those groups on Saturday. So um, just, yeah, okay. I, this is my first time, y'all, I'm sorry about <laughs> talking on this. You know, I'll just reiterate a few other things uh, either I said or, or uh, Dr. Thompson. She, when she was saying the, the being fearful, I wrote down the word intimidated. I think uh, again, we have so many negative connotations to the, the teenagers and and so forth that um, I think there's plenty of adults out there that don't believe they they are capable or they're they're intimidated by um, engaging with teenagers. But I think once 
once they're in, um, they'll be in for life uh, because they, they can create bonds and they, they feel how, uh, how our teachers feel, how rewarding it is to, to see some success and some growth and some um, return compassion and so forth. So um, honestly, if they're uh, fearful, it should be the kindergartners because they scare me, but um, uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but I mentioned before um, insurance, you know, one of the things we find when we try to get kids into businesses and so forth is just their ability to get through the, the legal hoops. Um, and we also have some of our own challenges in there with backgrounds, you know, school safety is um, going to get more and more challenging all of the time and so forth. So when Alicia said, you know, walk in our doors and we'll welcome you, well, it's not quite that simple. We have to run through background checks and, and uh, uh, paperwork and, and those kinds of things. And, uh, and so there are some hoops for us and business community. One of the challenges that I, I see, sometimes um, we may look at a situation, look at um, education, look at literacy, look at STEM, and and say you know uh, the, the the kids that are that may not be reaching the potential that they could be reaching, that might not be my issue. I have a lot of I have work to do. I have a family over here. I have all of this going on, and that is someone else's problem, not mine. And I quoted before James Baldwin uh, uh, when he stated that these are all our children will either benefit from or pay for what they become if we are not concerned with the whole of our community and those that may not be reaching their full potential. We're gonna we're gonna pay for it somewhere along the line. Either we're gonna pay for it in a positive way by us doing the work to help them to get where they need to go or we're going to pay for it in a negative way when we have to um, help them in another avenue and so that's one of the challenges and that's why i stated before is we're working with a pipeline to help um, young people understand that these are our issues they're all our issues and so when we don't have successes in our community that's not just someone else's problem that's all of our, that's an issue that we all have to um, look at. And so I think that's just one of the challenges. Um, I agree with what I've heard um, uh, about some of the challenges that are faced, uh, intimidation and all of those other things. But I think one of the other issues is simply, um, is that my problem? Um, another audience question here. You talk about parents engaging with their children's education. We all know this is a different generation, so what kind of ideas do you have to get parents involved? Alicia, do you wanna start that one off? Sure. Well, what we know is um, engagement, family engagement looks different for different folks. Um, to me, engagement in some of my parents is, can you help your child get up out of the bed, get them fed, or not even fed, just get them up, and get them to the school. If that's all of the engagement that we can get, then we'll accept that. We also feel like engagement, uh, the engagement could also be educating families on the importance of if they don't do these things, the outcomes that they will have for their children. So we have to continue to say to parents, you know, it's important for you to engage. If you have goals and dreams and aspirations for your kids, then 
if you could help us by doing this, we can take it from there. It also involves, you know, employers allowing their, parent, their, their, their employees to be able to come and participate because what we find is a lot of our companies are not allowing um, uh, adults or family or moms or dads to be able to uh, come to conferences or you know, get their kids enrolled or to be able to take off the time to go on those field trips and things of that nature. We also know that communicating with younger families are different. They like Twitter, they like Instagram, they like Facebook, they like all the social media channels. So we have to change the way that we're communicating with families too in order for them to want to engage with us. So we spend a lot of time in our marketing department um, doing uh, reaching out saying what's the best way to get this information we have parent links where we we or we we text messages to our families just so that we can get them the information they need to be engaged so we go above and beyond kind of that normal thing where we used to put pieces of paper in the kids backpacks and send them home and the parents read the notes in the backpack that doesn't work anymore so we have to be think of all of the other creative ways in order to engage our families uh, and it just looks different than when when I went to school, or Chad, because he's a little older than me. But um, <laughs> it looks different. <laughs> I know, I'm going to pay later. It, <laughs> it just looks different, and we have to adjust, and we can't blame the families and say, well, you're not participating, and what's wrong with these people? We have to figure out what's the best way to meet them where they're at, which sounds kind of a little different than what we've had, but you have to do that in order to, to meet the family's needs. Um, parents and families to go into the schools. Um, my the kids know um, do drop-ins. Um, we need, and I know you said it's kind of different <laughs> for your school, and it is it's still. I mean, USD two five nine. We have security issues too, and you have to go through. But uh, it's easy. I mean, if your record is good and you're not molesting kids or anything, you can come and help the help out. So, you know, um, come and stop in and check out because your presence, just them seeing an outsider coming in to see them, it shows it shows a kid that, that okay, okay, somebody is caring for me. Um, I, I I really I encourage my my parents to always stop by, but that's that's unrealistic because a lot of parents are working so they can't just stop they can't stop in like miss janice is going to roll up on you and see okay and and have and get a relationship with when you come in, when you go into the schools get a relationship with some of the kids so they do know you and 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 they begin to respect you i think parents can also play games with their kids we don't play enough games anymore with our kids. Um, and you can play games with, with, with their schoolwork. And you all here, you all may not have kids, but you may know kids. Tell them to call the hotline, because the hotline is excellent. Because nowadays, I mean, I'm a college graduate, and the way that they are teaching our kids in the school system, a lot of parents can't even help them with their homework. So we need to encourage that, too. Um, also, um, meeting meeting the other kids in the school, in, in their classroom, to know who that kid is. I mean, it, yeah, okay. Oh, good stuff. Right, I'll keep talking. 
Um, you know, that's we're also just wrapping up a strategic planning initiative, and, and uh, in Mays, we feel like we have great parent engagement, but one of the pieces of feedback we, we received through that um, survey and work with our large team was not necessarily. Um, and I think the challenge is, I think this, but it's a question we're going to ask our, our, our patrons and, and parents, um, is that is that everybody receives, everybody participates at a different level and a different way and, and different venue and, and different comfort level and so forth. So uh, we'll reach out this year um, through this first year of our strategic initiative, strategic planning initiative is to, to find out um, on a one-to-one -one basis how do they want to be engaged with the schools. In some cases, we have parents involved in site council and PTO and they volunteer and they're at every birthday um, party and those kinds of things. Um, and others are also intimidated about about being involved um, in one way or another. So, so uh, we're going to we're going to ask the same question that I think you just asked us. One of the other things that I'm going to bring up, because in order for parents to come to your school, they, ha they have to feel welcome too. So, one of the things that the district is the first things we're working on is customer service. Uh, because we want to make it a welcoming environment for families to want to participate too. Mm -hmm. um, I have another audience question here, sort of switching gears a little bit. Um, do uh, Wichita and Mays school uh, schools offer students automotive education? Yeah. We Fix do. and repair. I all of the above. We do not. Maybe. No, we, we do. We not. do. We, we do it north. Hi. We are, you talk about partnerships, you know, I think sometimes uh, there's that perception that we're always in competition with each other, even though she called me old. Um, <laughs> she, we don't, we work together. We'll, we'll send students to other schools um, to, to get automotive. Um, we have a student uh, or two going to the Newton School District this year to, to, to do some diesel mechanic work and so forth. So if we can't provide it, we'll try to find a place for them to get it and so forth. Um, but, you know, again, part of that's funding driven. When it, if we're going to be back down the road of budget cuts in a couple of years, then we're going to be scraping for every dime and dollar. And, and, and sometimes we, we, there's the potential of losing some funds when we send students out. But, you know, if things are progressing in the right direction, we don't get as uptight about that. So, um, but again, it's a challenge to, to offer every program to, in every school. Um, we talked about this or just sort of touched on this earlier, um, it seems like a lot of these programs have to do with preparing kids for the working world, these programs we've been talking about. Um, can you discuss preparing kids for college versus the job market and how to kind of weigh a child's future and their path? I think this is really a cool question and the two of us both have the same thing because we, we do work together a lot and we do a, a lot of the same things. So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the um, individualized plans of study. Um, in the state of Kansas, we are re, um, now uh, required not to ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up, but what is it that you love to do? And then allow kids to explore careers or explore what types of careers uh, fit the things that they like and want to do. Because you know how it is to go to a job every day and you hate it. I mean, who wants to do that? That brings mental health issues, too. Uh, so what we want is for kids to be happy uh, in what they choose to do. And then begin to have a plan of study for kids to be able to map themselves to that specific career or job. Uh, well, they're still careers, too, uh, of what they want to do. 
And so um, I think that is an, a very important piece of our work um, because again, and again, it's not our job to tell the kids what they're going to be or to channel them or funnel them down what we think. It's about them exploring what they want, not only with us, but with their families, and then giving them the tools and the skill sets to be able to go do that. Whether it's going to college, really to be honest, WSU Tech is a college. So even if they're going and getting vocational work, they're still in college. So whatever college track that they want to go in to get what they need in order for them to be successful in their career, uh, we are allowing that. And I think that's a new twist, which is engaging kids more in their own learning, and it's individualizing things for kids, and it's taking them down the path that they're passionate in. And so we find that we are having great success and more engaged kids and families uh, when they're working towards something that is of interest to them. One of the things that was put in place several years ago, uh, additional uh, financial resource was Senate Bill 155, which created, um, allowed us to create partnerships with community colleges and vocational technical education schools and so forth for students to get certifications before they left high school and so you you know I talked about our our career academy a little bit ago um, the number of certifications our kids are, are getting whether it's CNA or welding or, or whatever the case may be is significantly higher than it was just a few years ago and I suspect and I've seen the numbers across the state and even the region because I think even Missouri is doing something similar um, and so kids are automatically being exposed to potential careers that they wouldn't have been otherwise so I think that's that's huge uh, but because it's so overwhelmingly popular that the money's a little bit thinner than it used to be. So we continue to advocate for that um, revenue to expand. And again, it's our business community, I think, likes it as much or, or more than we do. Um, something else that's, that's going to happen this year, uh, Work Keys. Uh, there's funding for Work Keys, which is a um, career exploration program. Um, the state's funding that for all students. Um, and they're also funding uh, at least one ACT test for all students uh, because there are a number of schools. Um, and our district has, has paid for one ACT test for all students for several years. Um, but in many cases, students that maybe didn't think they had the aptitude, um, didn't have the confidence to go to college, they take that ACT and all of a sudden um, they score a 25, 28, 32, or whatever the case may be. And, and all of a sudden they start believing in themselves and, and realizing there's some scholarships available and those kinds of things. So. Uh, you know, work keys and the ACT, something I think is going to be uh, really positive. Uh, I think we're going to see some of the same kind of response that we did with the Senate Bill 155 funds from years ago. And, and also the FAFSA uh, forms that parents fill out or you're supposed to fill out in order to go to get receipt dollars to go to school. Well, what we're, we are really, we have a couple pilots in some of the schools. We've looked at some of our data and what we know is, is that the kids that fill out the FAFSA forms you get a higher number of kids going to college when you have students do that and when you have a low number of students filling those out, they don't know that there's opportunities or money because parents will say, well, you can't go to school because you don't have any money. We don't have any money. But they don't know if they don't have any money unless they fill out those FAFSA forms. And what we're finding is kids' eyes get really big when they find out that they are able to get dollars to go to school. So what we're doing is we're spending a little bit more time uh, and we're putting in more programs and more opportunities to get those FAFSA forms filled out. So that also encourages kids not only just to go to four-year college, but two-year college, go technical college. We're wanting them to go get some additional schooling so that they can get into a profession that they enjoy to do. Um, how does online free tuition affect public schools, or does it? Do you see that at all? 
how uh, might online free tuition affect public schooling? I'm not sure where it's yeah, coming. Connections right Academy, K-12, and so forth. So a lot of this time of year, you see a number of advertisements, and, and those are still public schools that are doing that. It's public schools in southwest Kansas or uh, some of the schools around here that run virtual programs and so forth. We run a virtual program, but ours is very different than, than those kinds of things. So um, typically, those are homeschool students. They're going to be homeschooled anyway, most likely. Um, so not necessarily affecting. It's unlikely they're it's contributing to, to our enrollment numbers or, or any enrollment numbers for that matter and, and so forth. In some cases, that's a good option for students. Again, I, we had a conversation down here a little bit ago and, and you know, public schools, sometimes we're confronted in conversation with uh, folks that attended private school or homeschool and so forth and, and they're a little nervous about having that conversation with us, um, believing that we're all in competition and, and I have to say, we're not. We don't care where students get their education. Um, homeschools are great or they're not. Private schools are, I mean, it's the experience for the student. We want, we want them, no matter where they go, to, to have great experience. And, and so if students go to homeschool or private school or public school and it's not a great experience, go find a great experience. Find something that's gonna be, help you be successful and so forth. So um, those, are, those are fine um, and great if, if they're doing what's best for students. Um, if, if they're not, if it's just an opportunity to, um, to generate revenue, then, then it's, it's for the wrong reason. Um, are school hours changing at all to meet students' internal clocks? Most high schools start too early for teenagers. There's research that says that, and it also is research that says this, right? So you can find research on both ends of that. Um, there, there, to be innovative and to think outside the box and to make all the pieces fit, it costs dollars. Because we've taken a look at shifting um, times, uh, but we, our transportation in the Wichita Public Schools works on three tiers, so it has been um, financially, um, and again, while I want to say that, I also want to preface it by saying we want to do what's right for kids no matter how much it costs, we find, we figure out ways to make that happen, but we have not yet figured out how to shift the timing to be able to meet the needs of what best practices are, what we see happening. So I will say, financially, we're not able to do it today, and we've not come up with an innovative way to do that. But what you will hear also is that it, inter it interferes with all the jobs that our kids have to go to. High school kids are also breadwinners in their homes. Uh, also, there's athletics that happen in the evenings. That So shifting that time also upshifts everything that the high school student experiences. So it, it's not just what the research says, it's also what finances can do, and it also it depends on the population of students that you're serving. The question real quick, sorry. Um, are, school, are school hours changing at all to meet students' internal clocks? Um, uh, the idea is that most high schools start too early for teenagers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, and, and again, I think even that's an overgeneralization about teenagers and so forth. Some want to get up and get going, and, and uh, so you have to think about activities. You have to think about, you know, we also tier our bus routes, and so, you know, we, we run 80 to, a to, to 90 bus routes every day. We'll run a, an entire uh, set of buses for our secondary schools and an entire set of buses for our elementary schools. So we stagger them by almost an hour and so forth. 
Um, if we try to start everybody at the same time or we flip-flop, then we have younger students going first at 7.30 start, 7.40 start in the morning and so forth. And that's even more ridiculous than starting high school kids and middle school kids at that time. Um, the alternative is we start everybody at 8.30, 9, 9.30 and so forth. And then two things. One, we have to double the number of bus routes, which is significantly expensive. Um, and it's difficult enough to find bus drivers anyway. Um, and then two, you're releasing... Um, either into rush hour traffic or when parents are getting home from work or, or after work, their activity practices start later and, and mm -hmm. by the time they get home, they're exhausted and can't do any homework and so forth. So it's, it's, it's not as simple as it sounds. And taken from the Wichita Public Schools, do not change people's calendars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are running short on time here. I wanna get all of our audience questions answered. Um, so we'll kind of just do a couple more here. Uh, what kind of programs do you have to attract more male teachers and also more diversity among teachers? Great question. Uh, we, we, actually <laughs> we actually have began to have partnerships with um, lots of different colleges, um, historically black colleges. Uh, we make recruiting trips there. Uh, we've gone to Texas uh, to recruit uh, uh, a diverse population there. We actually have started a Grow Your Own Teacher program, which means we take our internal candidates, men, uh, people of color, diverse populations, and we run them through uh, WSU, uh, where we're actually um, recruiting from there, our internal folks. Uh, so we have done a number of things, but what I will tell you is that the candidate pool for teachers, and my colleague over here will uh, justify that with me, is very, very low. Um, the tenor and the tone in the state around education and funding and all of that there has really put a damper on um, our ability to be able to recruit anybody, whether they're males, females, or anybody, to go into the field of education. So um, one of the things um, as a community member encouraging is to, um, to again, support public education and support teaching and encourage people to go into the teaching field because to get males or anyone else, it's a very uh, hard, hard challenge at this time. Special education teachers, math teachers, um, science teachers in particular uh, are very, very uh, difficult. Language arts teachers are very, very difficult to find, so we're looking for people to be encouraged and celebrated when they go into the field of teaching. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's even as much as the recent budget cuts and, and finance issues and so more as, as just the just demoralizing profession to some extent to be in right now. I think that's the challenge of social media um, is, is some of the things that we, uh, our teachers would see and read and hear and, and so forth were, were challenging. I'm, I'm married to a second grade teacher and, and uh, she got to the point where she just quit Facebook. Um, just because it was um, heartbreaking um, to see what kind of what was going on at, at the political level, and she's certainly not political in any way, shape, or form. But um, and then the other side too. Generally, I think it's a challenge for men to go into teaching because of right or wrong, they feel an obligation to be a breadwinner and, and provider and those kinds of things. And and you know, teaching just just doesn't pay very well. Um, you know, one of the or many teachers supplement income in the summer and, and those kinds of things. There's that, that belief sometimes that going into to teaching 
so you can have summers off, and it's, it's one, it's ridiculous. Uh, two, not many of our teachers take summer off. They're painting or, or tutoring or, or a number of other things, uh, again, just to help offset their, their regularly, regular wage. But to answer your question, I apologize, no, we don't have anything specific in place to try to recruit um, any, any particular demographic. So I always like to uh, wrap up these discussions with um, a question down the row of what can, uh, what can we do to help affect and make change in this whatever area it is we're talking about. We've talked about a good deal of that already, but are there any things that uh, maybe we haven't mentioned uh, that you, any of you would like to share, uh, different ways that uh, people can make a difference? Engage, it's a good word. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> Anything that we haven't talked about that would just be uh, another thing to kind of add to the list of consideration for people. I think this kind of thing, just continuing the conversation, um, opening the doors. Um, I share this even with legislators I know will never support public schools is at least come and see us. Come and visit, come and see what's going on. It's not the same thing as when you were in school. It's not the same thing as when I was in school. If you come in and visit and, and see what's going on in our classrooms and then still have the same belief, then, then, then that's okay. I mean, I, I disagree, but, but uh, um, just, just come and learn. Um, and, uh, and I would do the same thing. I mean, I think one of the things I, I found out about too late was uh, externship opportunities, things, opportunities for us to go learn more about what's going on in the business world. I think that's something else we didn't talk about earlier is I think Textron is, is kind of leading the way there as well by inviting educators, counselors, administrators to come in and spend a week to three weeks and so forth in the summer um, doing externships so they learn about their business and then they're, they're better informed to explain to students what's, what's going on and so forth. So. I invite anybody to come in and learn more about what's going on, and I'll, I'll accept almost any invitation to, <laughs> to learn about what's going on out there as well, because this is the only world I know, admittedly. So. Any other thoughts? We've had so, we've, have, it's been full of it, so I mean, <laughs> it's good, but did you have anything? Okay. So recruiting retired teachers, any idea for that? So advocating uh, for other teachers to get involved, retired teachers to get involved. Uh, did you want to add? We, we do. Uh, a lot of our retired teachers are who we draw to. We love our retired teacher. My mommy is a retired teacher, and she volunteers in the schools. Um, and they also become substitute teachers. That's another way um, that people that are retired that want to do something to help kids and still get a little bit of income too, you can join the um, you can join the substitute ranks. 
uh, or you could drive a school bus if you so choose to do that. Uh, we welcome those, and those are opportunities that a lot of our retired employees, after they've been out for the right amount of time, they come back and they um, give of their time in that manner. Let's have a big round of applause for our panel tonight. <laughs> a lot of wonderful ideas and great information. Um, for those of you who signed up for our drawing for a Tanya's Soup Kitchen gift card, we went ahead and uh, did our random, uh, random number generator. Lyndon Drew is the winner of our Tanya's card. Come on, come on down, and thank you all so much for coming. Our panel will hang out here for a few more minutes, and let me tell you uh, the date of our next, I'm sorry? Oh, really? Oh, sorry, I was just on a roll. The director of the Foster Grandparents Program? That's awesome. <laughs> uh, the next Engage ICT event uh, will be the third in our the third and final installment of our education series for the year. Uh, it is September 11th, Tuesday, September 11th. Um, so please join us for that. We will be discussing um, education uh, beyond well, continuing learning education opportunities. So that will be a really interesting discussion as well. Join us for that, and uh, our panel will stick around for a few minutes. So if you'd like to come and chat with them or ask them other questions, please feel free. Thank you for, oh yeah, go ahead. Microphone, microphone. Oh, sorry. If you all are unaware of who Katherine Johnson is, she is a NASA legend and she will be turning 100 years old on Sunday, August the 26th. So I'm so excited. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Very good. Well, thank you for coming, everyone. Thanks for joining us for Engage ICT Democracy on Tap. Find more podcasts and videos at engageict.org. This show was hosted at Roxy's Downtown in Wichita, Kansas. The engineer is Mark Statzer, Beth Golay is the producer, and I'm the host. For KMUW, I'm Sarah Jane Crespo.